What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Positively Trek. I'm just one of your hosts, Dan Gunther, and with me, as he is always, or at least for most of the episode today, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you doing today? I try my best to be here all the time, even if it's not (laughs) all the time. (laughs) No worries at all. So, yeah, we're going to uh, do things a little differently this week. I'm going to uh, jump into the news briefly After this introduction, uh, Bruce is going to duck out for a few minutes, but he will be back to talk about the exciting episode this week of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Ghosts of Illyria. And I got to say, Bruce, I am so excited to hear your thoughts on this episode in particular. So yeah, I'll jump into the news right away. And Bruce, you'll be right back and we'll talk about this episode. I'm so excited. Yep. I'm going to beam out and then beam back in. All right, let's dive into the week's Star Trek news. We have comics news as well as video game news and even a small update on the Star Trek films. Maybe a good thing that Bruce isn't around for that one because uh, we all know how frustrating the news or non-news about Star Trek films can be. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about a new comic miniseries that's coming soon to bridge the gap between seasons two and three of Star Trek Picard. IDW, in announcing their August 2022 comic books, has announced a miniseries, Star Trek Picard Stargazer. The series is being co-written by Picard co-creator and co-executive producer Kirsten Beyer. It is a three-issue miniseries. Joining Kirsten Beyer in the writing is her longtime comics partner Mike Johnson, with art by Angel Hernandez. The press release states, Embark on a never-before-seen journey set between seasons 2 and 3 of the Paramount Plus hit series Star Trek Picard. After a tantalizing offer to return among the stars arises, Captain Jean-Luc Picard takes to the bridge of the USS Stargazer. But when trouble rears its head on a once-peaceful pre-warp planet from his past, Picard enlists the help of an old friend. 
So it sounds pretty interesting. I note in this press release, they say Captain Jean-Luc Picard. That's interesting given that we know that he has attained the rank of Admiral. I'm wondering if he will actually follow in Kirk's footsteps and take a reduction in rank to Captain in order to command the Stargazer or if it's simply that he has the title of captain when he's in command of the ship. So not sure what they're going with there, but will be interesting to find out when it comes out. Like I said, the first issue is due out in August. Moving on now to video game news, we have our first look at the new Star Trek Prodigy video game, Supernova. Entering coordinates. Setting a new course. Stay alert down there, cadets. Where are we? Hello? Anyone there? Please be nice. Please be nice. Please be nice. Watchers! But, but it can't be. Just call me Mr. Plantastic. We've got to move fast, or that supernova will blow us all to the Gamma Quadrant. Let's go. And we have a release date for it as well. It is coming out on October 14th and will be available for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and through Steam and Stadia for PC gamers. The game features the full television cast reprising their roles as each of the animated characters in the interactive adventure. So this looks pretty cool. It will allow up to two players to lead the Protostar crew during gameplay. Dal and Gwyn are the two playable characters. You will also be able to use Starfleet phasers as well as Gwyn's cool morphing metal weapon that we see in the series as well. So kind of looking forward to this, obviously going to be geared a little bit more to younger players, but I think I might pick this one up and give it a go and, and see how the gameplay is and report on it to you here for our listeners of Positively Trek. And finally, we have a small update for the long-awaited Star Trek IV. (laughs) This movie has taken on a number of different forms over the past few years, with nothing really quite getting going, at least not in the public consciousness yet. But we do have a comment from Carl Urban, who of course played Dr. Bones McCoy in the three J.J. Abrams Kelvin Timeline films, saying that the Star Trek IV film is inevitable and that it's now just a matter of logistics. So this is interesting. This is the exact quote here. He says, I have heard that it is happening, but I've been hearing that for the last three years. All I know is they are developing it. They're writing a script, and I know 100% that we all want to come back and do it. So I think it's all just a matter of logistics and timing at this point. So kind of more of the same, not a lot of new news here, just an obvious kind of eagerness to get back to this. Carl Urban, I think, is one of the best parts of that Kelvin Timeline cast. His portrayal of Dr. McCoy is definitely one of the highlights of those last three films. I look forward to seeing him reprise the role again, along with his Kelvin Timeline co-stars. Here's hoping this eventually comes to fruition. 
I would definitely enjoy another Kelvin timeline film. They're not, like I've said in the past, my favorite part of the Star Trek universe, but I'm still curious to see if there are further adventures for these characters in that form. I would definitely be at the theater on opening night to see that film. Urban went on to say, where there's a will, there's a way, and there's definitely a will. So we would love to come back together and make one of those. I mean, The Boys is a great hang, a great cast, referring to the television show The Boys, of which Carl Urban is a part. He goes on to say, but Star Trek is also. It's just one of those you just want to do it for the experience of hanging out. You never laugh so much as when you are working with those guys. So, yeah, like I say, there's definite eagerness to come back and reprise these roles, and I certainly do hope that it happens. So, I'd love to hear what our audience thinks, though. What do you think of the resumption of the Kelvin timeline story with a Star Trek IV? Do you want to see that? Do you want to see something else? Let us know. Reach out to us, PositivelyTrek at gmail.com or on Twitter at PositivelyTrek. Let's take a brief break here. When we come back, I will have beamed Bruce back into the studio and we will discuss Season 1, Episode 3 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Ghosts of Illyria. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, and Jesse Earl. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positively trek. You get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout outs, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positively trek. Thank you to each and every one of you. And now let's fly. What if I hadn't saved all those lives? Would the captain feel the same? What would he do if I wasn't a hero? One of the good ones. When will it be enough to just be an Illyrian? All right. So, Bruce, the moment I've been waiting for ever since the title of this episode was announced was the chance to get to talk about it with you. So, Ghosts of Illyria, before you even saw this episode, when you heard that title and knowing what we know from the books and the comics and all that sort of stuff, uh, what went through your mind? Well, you're the one who told me the title. <laughs> it was after we recorded our last episode. As soon as we stopped recording, you go, oh, we should have mentioned the title of the next episode. I'm like, what is it? And then you told me and I was like, no, yes, <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, that's what's in the books and, and comics is uh, Illyria is where she's from. And I didn't know if they'd go that direction or something completely different. And so I was curious to see how they're going to uh, play this in the series. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, as, as you said, Illyria, that's a big part of number one's backstory from the novels, the, the beta canon, as some people refer to it, you know, it's never been on screen canon really on screen. We don't know a ton about number one. Of course, she was in that original pilot repurposed for the menagerie. That's about it uh, until discovery season two, where we get a little bit more, we actually get a name, 
But yeah, Illyria, this colony uh, or this world of genetically engineered people, they've used part of the backstory in this episode, not all of it. There's some bits from novels where her designation of number one has nothing to do with her being the first officer. It's, you know, each member of the society is numbered by proficiency or awesomeness or something like that. And she was literally number one. She was the best of that society and like the only one to leave to go to Starfleet or something like that. But, you know, they don't seem to have used that part of the story. But really interesting that they're going with her background as being from Illyria, this genetically engineered person who's been augmented basically with with genetic engineering traits and stuff. So I was really excited with, with that title. And then when we get to the actual episode, you know, there's hints early on. And those of us in the know who know the novels and stuff know that number one has this deep, dark secret. And they're kind of obviously alluding to it if you know that. But if you don't know that, uh, they just kind of introduce the Illyrians as this colony that they're going to have to go and, and save because of these ion storms that are endangering them. Yeah. And I got a little nervous at this part. Because mm. they didn't introduce her or identify her, her as Illyrian. And I was like, okay, so Pike doesn't seem to know. He's not saying, oh, here's your people or anything like that. And I thought, are they going to just say this is an Illyrian colony and not say that she's Illyrian? I'm like, I hope they don't go that route. That would be kind of weird. And so, yeah, when we learn her secret and I was like, okay, good. I, I thought they would acknowledge that, but I wasn't. Like I started to worry just a little bit on it, but in the books and comics, Pike knows she's Illyrian. The rest of the crew knows she's Illyrian. Going back to 2254 or whatever, like early in their voyages, like in the comics, the early voyages. And so I thought it was interesting in this case that they're saying that she served for, you know, going on whatever it is, seven years or something like this, this point, or maybe a little less. But anyway that they don't know she's Illyrian. That's been the secret this whole time. And uh, I liked that. I, I thought it was pretty good. Because for me, it doesn't have to go exactly what was in books and comics, and they don't always match up exactly on this either. Mm -hmm. Because even in early voyages, she was known as Robbins. She had a different name right, yeah. in the comics. So, you know, and, and then the whole concept in the, in the novels and the comics is that her name is unpronounceable and that's why she goes by number one, like you say, because of her ranking and, and that's why she chose the name Una because it means one. I don't know about the whole name thing if they're going to address that later as why she calls herself Una. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see if they'll do that in a future episode. Yeah, for sure. And especially with the, the, Last name they've introduced, Chin Riley, right? You know, where's where's the origin of that? I'm curious. But is that just a cover for her Illyrian past or something like that? I don't know. But uh, I do like the changed premise. That, and I mean, you know, it's it's not even a change necessarily because, again, the, the books and comics aren't necessary to use in canon. But I, I like the spin they've put on it that because the Illyrians are genetically engineered, they tend to be shunned in the Federation because of that deep-seated fear of genetic engineering that was the result of the eugenics wars and the legacy of Khan and all of that sort of stuff. 
So to use that backstory and kind of spin it into that, I thought was really fascinating. And the reasons why she's kept that a secret make a lot of sense based on what we've seen of the Federation's attitude towards genetic engineering in subsequent series, previous series. I'm not sure how to say it because they take place afterwards, but came out years ago. So, you know, prequels, man, they mess up my tenses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of prequels, Star Trek Enterprise Mm -hmm. has an episode with Illyrians, but they don't look like a human. They have their, you know, forehead ridges and, and such. I mean, they're humanoid, but they don't have flat foreheads like we do. And so sometimes the books have suggested that she's a human that then settled on an Illyrian colony, that she's not necessarily pure Illyrian. So I, they didn't address anything like that here. I don't know if they will later or just dismiss that or not. But yeah, I'm just curious to see because Rebecca Romain has made comments before that there's a lot of nuance to her character that over the series, we're going to learn more and more about her past. So I think this is just the first step towards that. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to jump in here and say the, the format of this show I'm really enjoying. Like I love discovery. I love Picard. I love the focus on one star character. That's fun. That's interesting. But this return to a truly ensemble cast, I I really like that. I love that we're getting focuses on various characters episode by episode. Episode one, of course, Pike. Episode two, Uhura. Episode three, Una. Uh, I love that kind of format, you know, And, and I'm all for Star Trek taking risks and doing different things, but I do love the chance to shine the spotlight on on other characters throughout the cast as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to say that I'm preferring this format over the Discovery Picard format. And I wasn't sure that I would feel that way because when we went to Discovery and it was going to be the serialized seasons, I was really excited about that. And I still enjoy it. But to your point, I miss these little one-offs of like, we're going to focus on this character and focus on that character. I mean, I feel like we had some, we do have some of that in discovery. It's just not week to week. It's not consistent all the time. Mm -hmm. But the thing I like about this, that's even better to me than like TNG is that even though these are individual, individualized stories focusing on a character in each episode, there's still a thread that's going between the episodes. Like we're just talking about, Oh, can't wait to see what happens next with number one, or where are we going to find out later about her and stuff? And like, you know, Pike's haunted past, you know, there's these little threads of storylines that are woven through each episode, which again, which was nice that we didn't have that whole, Oh, Pike's dealing with his, you know, knowing his future and how he's, you know, I mean, it was briefly maybe mentioned in there, but it's not a focus in every episode. So it's almost like, I kind of like this format and the discovery Picard format and maybe just like find a middle ground where maybe it really is a season long arc, but yet the episodes really do focus on a character in each episode. Yeah, and and that's one thing I'm loving about Modern Trek, though, as well, is you get the different formats. Like, it's not, it sounds like I'm I'm slagging off 90s Star Trek, which I'm not, because, like, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, TNG, I love those series. But they're very similar in format, you know, it's just different settings, different 
situations. I love that you get to kind of play around here. Like, well, if that's the kind of show you like, you've got Strange New Worlds over here. When you want more of that dramatic focus on one character, you've got Picard and Discovery over here. And then you've got the comedic stuff and the the young person family show. I, I love it. I'm loving that we're getting just little tastes of everything. And I'm curious to see what future shows, what format they'll take. Will it be kind of a mix like you're talking about? Like That could be really cool too. So like I said, they're at this colony to rescue these Illyrians from this ion storm. They're, they're having to beam up. <laughs> My first thought, by the way, after they beam up the main part of the landing party and then Pike and Spock are stranded and they're like, oh, I don't really want to try and beam them up through that ion storm. I don't know what'll happen. And I'm like, oh no, they're going to cross over with their mirror universe con- counterparts and find themselves <laughs> wearing different uniforms on a different enterprise. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not a good idea. That's what happened last time or will happen <laughs> next time. Again, prequels, darn it. I, I mm, It's an, <laughs> bugging me. <laughs> it's funny you just mentioned that because real quick, late last night, I did watch crossovers on DS9 last night, mm. which is their first crossover to the Mirror Universe. So that's so fresh when you just said that. I'm like, yeah, I just saw something like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like I say, Pike and Spock are stranded on the planet. They have to weather the storm. Meanwhile, the landing party that's been back up to the Enterprise, we see some of them exhibiting some odd symptoms And very quickly, it becomes apparent that there's some sort of malady loose aboard the Enterprise. And I got to say, I be during the whole, let's just address the elephant in the room during the whole COVID pandemic. I kind of, when I was doing watches of Star Trek series, I'd get to an episode where there's like a, a virus rampaging through the Enterprise D or something like that. And I'd be like, eh, skip. I don't really want to watch this. (laughs) And there were some trigger words in this episode. We've got them engaging in a lockdown. We've got them doing contact tracing, (laughs) all this stuff that we've heard over the last couple of years. And I'm kind of like, every time I look over at Nikki and I'm like, Oh boy. (laughs) And she gives me this look like, (sighs) did that? I mean, it didn't actually like affect me or anything like that, but it was definitely interesting to hear these familiar terms in this context because boy, was that like, Oh boy, lockdown essential workers. We even hear at one point or essential crew members kind of thing. Yeah, of course it did make me think about it, but it didn't, yeah, it didn't bother me or trigger me or anything. It just was more of a, if anything, it just felt more like a, a classic episode again mm-hmm. where everybody on this ship is getting sick you know and all i was doing is like oh i can actually kind of now relate to this because in the past if i saw an episode like this it'd be like nothing to me now i'm like oh yeah i've been in lockdowns before and <laughs> i know about viruses going around okay you know but i'm glad it wasn't like some virus where they all had to start wearing masks <laughs> then it would have been too much on the head you know Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would have been a a little bit much. But yeah, I had a similar thought to you that I was like, oh, I can relate to this. And yeah, if if this did happen aboard a ship, you know, it makes sense that they'd go into like a strict lockdown and segregated work environments and stuff. And I I love that. I mean, I, I don't love that we've gone through this over the last couple of years and stuff. But I feel like those experiences have informed the writers a bit. And 
in a lot of cases, one of the main reasons I end up skipping some of those episodes in the past is they're not doing really simple things that would help stop the spread and, and like we're doing now basically. And the fact that these experiences can kind of inform the writers and, and make those situations feel more realistic, I think is a really good thing. And then the whole darkness and light. And so, you know, what do we do to stop the spread? We turn off the lights, mm-hmm. but there wasn't anybody going around saying, I'm not turning off the lights. I'm keeping my lights on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, fake news posting on the, the enterprises. I don't know. Social media internal network that, you know, I read, I watched this, I read this article by somebody and. Yeah, anyway, we won't we won't go into that. That's just too <laughs> no. depressing. <laughs> no, we'll avoid that now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, so we find out this was kind of interesting and the the characteristics of this sickness, this virus that it's carried on beams of light. I thought that was interesting. It it kind of my brain doesn't really figure it out if I think too hard about it, because I I don't know how that would work at all. But as a premise, that's kind of interesting. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I like how Uhura's roommates are, you know, they have a simulation of light in their room and she tells them, turn it off. We need the light. We need the light. Yeah. And they're all burnt because of that. Yeah. That was kind of terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like this drug, you know? It's like, I can't get enough of it, you know? And how Una tears her tunic, you know, to get closer to the light, get more on her skin, and, and everybody's just, like, leaning into the light. And then I started to really worry when, was it, uh, La'an leaned into the light. Then it's because she wasn't down on the away team or the landing party, and so it's like, oh, no, it's spreading. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was, I, I like the idea of how, Uhura was protected because she was in darkness at the time that it hit her quarters. And so it affected her roommates and not her. Yeah, that was interesting. And that, of course, is that that first clue that how it spread and stuff. This episode felt and I mean, I I know that's the the thing they're going for. This felt very TOS to me. Like, I don't know, something about the crew members and, you know, the the one crew member, the first one we see affected who smashes his head through the the equipment locker to get closer to the light. It felt like, I don't know, like the man trap or something where somebody's seeing a crew member act weird and or the naked time or something like that. I really got TOS vibes from this episode. Because, yeah, when you watch the original series, there's sometimes in episodes where things are kind of done a little over the top, you know, where people scream a little maybe too much about something or freak out a little too much. (laughs) And so when that crewman crashes his head through that, it's like it reminded me of that. It was just like this. Whoa, that's that's extreme. You know, it had that kind of feel to it. And also the scene with Una in her quarters, there's something about the music where it's just like eerie, weird things are happening. It reminded me of some of those quieter moments in TOS where something weird is going on. And uh, that's one thing I always thought TOS did really well was it's, it's, it's a slower pace, right? Like it's from an era where television was slower. So you kind of linger on those moments and examine the weirdness of it. And and I felt like that scene in particular kind of emulated that style. 
Yeah, it does. It, it it definitely does have that TOS feel through all these episodes. And yeah, especially this one, it's just that that pacing, like I was talking about before. It's not maybe it's not slow. It's just it's got a nice pacing. Yeah, it's taking to, its to these time. Episodes. Yeah, it's it's yeah. giving the ch- episode a chance to breathe kind of thing. Yeah, because again, it's one of those we have the B storyline and the A storyline type of situation because we have Pike and Spock on the planet, but then when we have everything else going on the ship, you know, the other series like Discovery and Picard, there's multiple storylines. So, you know, and, and they, and they're woven in through episode to episode. So you're jumping to this, then to that, then to this other one, to this other one and stuff where this, it's like, it's all self-contained and you're just focusing on one and a little bit on the other. So you can, you have maybe a little more, more time and not as much of a rush to get through. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump down to the planet and Pike and Spock, because there's some interesting stuff going on here. They're, they're trapped because of the storm. They have to find shelter. Meanwhile, they're also kind of investigating the history of the colony and seeing what the heck happened. The Illyrians of this colony apparently wanted to join the Federation, and because of the Federation's ban on genetic engineering, they were kind of trying to ungenetically engineer themselves. That was kind of interesting, these revelations, and, and they kind of make some links to Starfleet and, and the opinions of the Illyrians being kind of rooted in a, in a form of bigotry and the lengths that these people would go to, to kind of overcome that. And, you know, there's not a ton of exploration of it, but there's the kind of thought that like did Starfleet and the Federation's opinions influence this to result in this tragedy, etc. Some interesting themes here that, that get mentioned or touched on, maybe not explored a ton, uh, I'd say more explored through the character of Una and some other stuff that happens, but it's touched on a little bit here as well. I, I yeah, watching this, I knew fairly quickly that those beings down there were the Illyrians yeah. because where are the colonists? Oh wait, and then there's these other creatures down here. I'm like, hmm, that's probably the colonists. But you know, because they're like you said, they're trying to lose that augmentation that they have so they could fit in and because of the bigotry of Starfleet but it's it's a bigotry that I don't want to say it's warranted necessarily but because of the eugenics wars and and those augmentations you know those people that they've had issues with that and so uh, you know they're going into this group looking at them going oh you're augmented too so you know you you can't be part of the federation you can't be you know members of starfleet and all that instead of getting to really know who they are right it's just they're looking at this oh well you're like this so you are that mm. but that's not it you got to know them and it's wrong for the illyrians to say well then we'll conform to you we will be different than what we are we will change ourselves so that you will accept us and that's not a good thing either and it backfired on them because it took them to an extreme that they became these other energy type creatures in the, in the atmosphere. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot that I want to comment on this part of the story. The energy creatures thing seemed kind of weird to me. I did love that they were like protecting Spock and Pike and they kind of realized that the, the whole 
changing into the energy energy creatures i felt very hand wavy i'm like how did that happen what what's going but it's interesting for sure the whole illyrian thing there's some stuff with una that i definitely want to talk about because there's some interesting stuff there we've got her kind of saving the crew basically because and a little bit of techno babble stuff here medical babble i guess i don't know but laan is trying to overload the warp core because she'll get lots of light and una stops her and absorbs a bunch of radiation and there's this whole thing where she doesn't have antibodies that can be used to cure this, but it creates a sympathetic something in Laan when she saves her. And Laan now carries antibodies that can be used. Convenient, but okay. I I guess <laughs> that makes sense, sort of. As Chapel says, she knows she's good at her job, and that's a good enough explanation, I guess. <laughs> I had a, a flash of Kirk saying to McCoy, Bones, what are you doing with that Tribble? <laughs> yes. Thank you. It's funny because I ha- I remembered that earlier in the episode. So Star Trek Into Darkness, they were experimenting with Khan's blood. And it literally basically came down to, oh no, Kirk died. Khan has super blood. Hey, let's inject Kirk with Khan's blood. Yay, he's alive again. Which is ridiculous. And... Earlier in the episode, Una says, like, can't you just use my blood to cure the Enterprise crew? And Mabenga's like, uh, no, it doesn't work that way. And I was like, thank you (laughs) (laughs) for different reasons here. But I was still thinking, like, could you tell the writers of Star Trek Into Darkness that, please? (laughs) Well, it doesn't work here because it's a different timeline, right? Exactly. The laws of physics are different. (laughs) oh man that was funny though but it's funny that our brains both went to there because yeah i was thinking of Khan's super blood as well <laughs> well and then thinking about lawn i love it when she and una are fighting because lawn's in red and it made me think how Khan was wearing red mm-hmm. in space seed you know the same type of uniform and having a battle you know a fight like that with kirk so they took me to that but also i was when we find out that the Illyrians are augmented and number one is I thought, Oh, that's why Laon has a somewhat close relationship with Una because they have this thing in common. But then I was surprised to find out that Laon didn't know that about number one. And she even said, why did you keep it a secret from me? I mean, I've gone through all kinds of discriminatory experiences in my life and have been picked on and stuff. And that's something that we could have related to and you could have helped me with. And you held that back. You call me your friend. Yeah. You know, I I like that scene. Absolutely. Because, of course, as people listening probably know, but maybe maybe didn't make the connection. Of course, Laan Noonien Singh is a direct descendant and confirmed in this episode of Khan Noonien Singh. So... During that fight scene, I actually found myself wondering, like, is Laon maybe not necessarily augmented, but has she carried some of those genes down? Is she, you know, a bit of a superhuman? When the fight is happening, I was like, are they fairly evenly matched? I think it comes out pretty quickly that no, they're not. And number one, just like that one, that one punch knockout 
she it's like oh, okay she was holding back and now she's like okay no <laughs> i'm putting you out now that yeah. was she's uh she's pretty formidable and and we also see her just like throw hammer over her shoulder one armed and walking down the corridor not even like breaking a sweat <laughs> it's like whoa okay she's capable of a lot more than uh, we realized here yeah, I mean, I loved seeing that. I don't recall her having that kind of strength, though, in the novels and comics. I, I don't, I don't remember that. So I, I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh wow, okay, she's got this kind of strength. That's interesting. So again, I'd like to see how that plays out in future episodes. Yeah, and I love that. Like, how are you carrying him like that? Never mind that now. And <laughs> just like throws him on the <laughs> bio bed and. Yeah, that was yeah interesting. Because <laughs> when she picked him up, I was like, wait, does she have? super strength because that was just too easy but then it was like as she's walking down the corridor i'm like oh yeah look at that strut like yeah i got this <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was great so laon has this reaction to number one where you know she yells at her for being an augment the thing that she's been mocked for her entire life and it's it's a jarring interaction between the two of them because, as we know, they were friends from a long time back and number one was a mentor to her. And in that kind of wrap-up scene we get at the end, it's really interesting that, you know, do you want me to say it was because of because of the sickness? Well, it was, and it wasn't. Like, there's real feelings there. And I, I like that they actually confront those and they don't just write it off as like, oh, I was delirious. It was That was crazy. No, there's real kind of prejudices and real issues to kind of work out there. I really appreciated that. Yeah, because that's that makes good drama, right? It's like, it, we can't have everybody be perfect. That's something the writers have complained about when they were doing TNG and Roddenberry one. Well, they all got along and it's like... But, you have to, ha- you're still human, right? There's still going to be some conflict. You're still going to have some, I-, I hate to say it, but there's always going to be bigotry, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, even though bigotry is something that has been addressed and, and conquered in earth with each other, there's a new type of bigotry, right? You know, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a violent bigotry or anything, but it's just, you know, anytime you introduce a different group of people, the other, both groups may you know have opinions on each other and and such and i don't i'm kind of just like spewing things now i don't even know why i'm talking about this right now but it's like you know it's like when spock and pike are down the planet and they see these energy buildings beings they just assume that they're they're dangerous you know they just assume they're the ones who attack the colonists but they are the con like it's that star trek message of really getting to know each other the starfleet and the federation need to get to know who the illyrians are and and the prejudice that and the bigotry that laon went through in her life being an augment it's like just get to know not every augment is the same Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's also an interesting point made by una at the end and pike kind of goes to bat for una when he finds out when she tells him that she's illyrian and that she lied about her genetic status to get into starfleet and pike says you know when starfleet finds out let me handle that and all this stuff I love that there's a wrap up after that where Una says, you know, oh, I'm one of the good ones. I saved the ship, so I'm worth fighting for. 
But what if I hadn't? What if I was just an Illyrian? Would I be worth fighting for then? When will it be enough to just be? You know, and I I thought that was really fascinating. And it's one of those things where Pike is doing a good thing. He's going to bat for her, but maybe doesn't quite realize that the way he's saying it is like, oh, like she said, you're one of the good ones, you know? So yeah, we'll fight for you. But I guess that's where it starts, but at the same time, it can feel a little patronizing, I guess. Yeah, I can see that. I hadn't thought about it, but I do like how Pike does address it with her that he's keeping her on board because of not what she is, but who she is. Again, he knows who she is, so he's not judging her on what she is. He's judging her on what he knows her to be, Mm -hmm. who she is, right? And that is the spark that they can send to the Federation and say, here's an example of something good, right? Let's get to know these people better. Yeah. Well, the final thing that we have to talk about with the story, of course, is uh, the fact that this virus got aboard the ship. It got through the biofilters because the medical transporter in, in sickbay hadn't been upgraded. Dr. Mabenga had refused to allow it to be upgraded when they were in space dock. And we get this great scene between Una and Mabenga where she confronts him about this and she doesn't pull any punches. He says, it was my fault that, that this happened. And she's like, yeah, it is. And it's revealed that, being kept in the transporter buffer is his terminally ill daughter who he's trying to find a cure for. This was a really interesting insight into his character and into an obviously ongoing story through the series. And I was, I was surprised this completely caught me off guard. And, uh, you know, there were some things earlier in the episode that I was like, what's going on? That doesn't make sense. I don't get this. And then, oh, okay. I I love the way that story is told. Yeah, because when Hammer wanted to, you know, work on his transporter and he and Mabenga's like, no, get away from it. You know, I was like, why is it such a big deal? But yeah, when we find out later. So yeah, I did not see this coming. I was, of course, not expecting this. We didn't have Mabenga in the last episode, but we got a lot of him in this one. And I loved him in this. Yeah. I thought he was great. I'm looking forward to, again, more of, I, I'm loving all these characters actually. But yeah, and I also thought because of what's going on with his daughter and he's trying to find some kind of cure that there's got to be something out there as we're exploring these strange new worlds that's going to have the answer that he needs, the information to help save his daughter. And my first thought was, could it be on Vulcan? Hmm. Because we know later, yeah, he leaves to go study on Vulcan. So maybe there's something he discovers later that on Vulcan, they have some kind of cure or the makeup of the Vulcan people have something that can help save his daughter. And that's why he leaves the enterprise and goes to Vulcan. Interesting. I like that. Okay. Well, uh, with that, Bruce, anything we haven't covered slash final thoughts on ghosts of Illyria. What a great Uh, title. (laughs) It is such a great title. I mean, I love this episode. I, yeah, I loved everything about it. I'm loving this series and getting to know more of Una and Lon and Mabenga. And yeah, this, this was, this was really good. I, I, I mean, I maybe wasn't as invested in the spike 
Spike. I did this before, I think. The Pike and Spock. <laughs> the Pike and Spock storyline on the planet. Like, I mean, it was good, but I was definitely more invested in what was going on on the ship. And knowing that they have the overflow room for sick bay was pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it looks great. And, and I'm loving these characters and it was just a classic storyline. So I'm going to give this one five out of five lockdowns that help prevent the virus from spreading. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, there's some great stuff in it. Mabenga getting some exploration hammer. I also love after this episode and really want to see more of him for sure. And uh, it's some great character moments, some great insights. I love linking number one's backstory to what we've seen previously in the books and comics. The literary lover of, of Star Trek stuff in me is just giddy at that. So that was really cool. Uh, I'm going to be really nitpicky here though. And, and there's just, there was two times in the editing of this episode. This is really nitpicky stuff, but two times where the editing just pulled me right out of the episode for a minute. There's one part where I think it's, yeah, number one and Uhura are walking into Uhura's quarters to investigate. And there's a shot of them walking really slowly into the room. And then the shot reverses and number one's like at this really brisk pace walking towards Uhura's bed between the shots. Just editing like that really bugs me where it's like obvious something was cut out there and the shots don't quite match. And then there was another one later with Una where there was, she was doing something with her hand and the shot changes and it's in a totally different position. So again, totally, totally nitpicky. But stuff like that, I really start to notice, especially doing video editing with a friend of mine who does video stuff. I really notice that stuff now. So that bugged me. On the flip side of that, that shot of the Enterprise with the lights going down, that that yes. shot of it, so beautiful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give this four out of five gorgeous VFX shots of the Enterprise's lights shutting down because that was gorgeous. <laughs> Lovely. Yes. Uh, yeah. Everything in this looks great. Gorgeous. The I'm just thinking about engineering, how great that looks. Yeah, like. that was neat. It was like they were inside the the stuff we see through the wire mesh in TOS. I like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, yeah, we will um, wrap up there with our thoughts on Ghosts of Illyria. We'd love to hear what everyone else thought, though. So please reach out to us at Positively Trek on Twitter, PositivelyTrek at gmail.com, and of course, the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Kurtrats. K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S and youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And Bruce, where can people find you when you're not doing contact tracing for light transmitted viruses? <laughs> mm, yes, I could use a tan actually, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. You can also find me on Facebook. I don't say that very often but yeah i'm on facebook some people find me that way and you can direct message me there through messenger and of course we have our goodreads groups where we put what upcoming books we're going to cover on the book club so you know we can even communicate there if you'd like excellent and thank you as always to all of our listeners and especially to our patreon supporters over on patreon.com slash positively trek we will see you all 
in our next Strange New Worlds review episode for the episode of Memento Mori. And, uh, of course, uh, there may be a book club episode in there somewhere, too. So keep an eye out for that. We will see you then. Take care. And, of course, stay positive. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.